Welcome to the Learning That Sticks podcast. I'm Mark Williams from GiraffePad, the learning platform for learning journeys. In this podcast series, I'll be speaking with experts from around the world of learning and development, exploring with them their different ideas, techniques, and methods, their magic source, if you like, for creating learning solutions that truly stick. In this episode, I have the absolute pleasure of chatting with two people, so one extra than normal. I have David Pullen and Sarah Jane McKechnie from the Story Spotters. And unsurprisingly, we're going to explore the subject of story in sticky learning. David, Sarah Jane, thank you so much for joining me. It is such a pleasure to see you again, Mark. We're not far from each other physically, I suppose. All of this is being boomed up to a satellite and back down again, and we're only about 10 miles away from each other. We could be on the beach. We could be an Eastbourne Pier. We should have done. We'd have seagulls in the background. That would, that would touch the production <laughs> Next time. Uh, skills, wouldn't it, at uh, editing those out? Yeah. So before we get into the, the truly sticky stuff, maybe it would be useful for our listeners if you could um, introduce yourselves and give us a bit of a, a background to how your career has evolved to the current uh, the story spotters, if you like. Well, if I should I start with a bit, bit quick bit? Yeah, should I? I'll do a quick bit about how we became David Pullen and Sarah Jane McKechnie into the story spotters, which is mainly about the names McKechnie and Pullen, because you know you have to take a good run up at both of those names, and even when you do take up a run up, nobody knows what a McKechnie Pullen does, which we, is what we we were for about twenty years, and then actually, it's one of the joys of lockdown is that is that we've actually had an opportunity to rebrand and really think about what it is that we do and what the value we bring, which is all around story. Mm. And interestingly enough, I, I was doing some work in uh, well, there are two stories actually. Sarah Jane had an incident. Actually, you tell that story. It's a better. It comes up. <laughs> what, what about somebody saying? Oh yeah. Well, I was um, I was doing a sort of debrief on some work that I'd done with a client uh, where we had co-created a workshop for her teams. And um, it was really important that it had gone really well. And we created the story around it. And in the debrief, she'd said that it was fabulous and it had all gone very well and everybody was really engaged and lots of good things came out of it. And then she said to me, do you know, Sarah Jane, I think I need to know more about story because it's a buzzword at the moment and I'm not sure I know very much about it. And I, ne- I, ne- I nearly fell off my chair. <laughs> I said, you do realise, don't you, that everything that we've just done and everything that your teams did within that workshop was all about creating their stories and, and engaging with each other through story. Uh, so I came back that night And David was in the kitchen opening a bottle of wine. And I said, right, okay, McKechnie Pullen does not cut this because nobody knows what on earth we do. (laughs) So we sat down, we drank the wine, and we came up with the story spotters. Well, and actually the interesting thing is that the way that came about is at the time during lockdown, I was doing some work with INSEAD in Singapore with a guy called Neil Bearden, who's um, who's a story. He, in fact, he's just probably just at the moment leaving uh, INSEAD and heading back to the States. And I was helping him because it was the, on the on the MBA there. They do storytelling as part of as one of their modules. And I was helping with the coaching on that. And Neil, we'd only met online, he said, what do you actually do? And I said, well, what I, one of my main jobs is actually going into businesses and listening to them talk. And when they're trying to sell something or when they're trying to uh, create a strategy is listening to them and thinking and stopping them, basically, when when I think that they've arrived at the story that they need to tell and help them craft that. And he went, oh, you're a story spotter. And I thought, mm, that sounds interesting. Um, so so he went away and, and Sarah Jane and I talked about it. And there are four areas of it. There's the 
there are the stories that people tell that connect with people. And that's actually, that's one of the things we'll probably talk about today, the stickiness of stories in the mind. There are the stories that you create, that you, that you trigger through your behaviors by how you show up in the room, just by how you behave. There are the, there are the stories that you listen to. So you go beyond the transactional, you actually form relationships and connections with people. And then lastly, the stories that you tell yourself about yourself, the stories in your head, which, um, which are either going to help or hinder your progress. And so we use, although our work is all about story, um, we both teach story and use story in all of our learning projects. You know, listening to that, I'm thinking we could easily do four podcasts on this. (laughs) (laughs) We were never going to struggle to have something to talk about, but um, it would be great to explore all of that in as much detail as we can. Maybe, Maybe as a starting point, should we understand and help explore for our listeners as well what the connection between story and learning is? Um, and why it makes learning particularly sticky when there's story involved, and then we can delve into those areas possibly. Sure. You kick do, off, do you want to kick off? off? Yeah. There's a guy. Um, there's a guy called David Rock at NYU. I mean, he, he, other people may have spoken to him. There's a model of learning which is the ages model, which in, in order for in order for learning to stick, you have to. The, the acronym is ages. It's attention. It's gather insight. It's emotion, and then it's the spaced nature of learning. And story hits three of those things. Story by its very nature, without going into the brain science and the chemistry of it, it grabs people's attention. We are wired to sit up and pay attention to story when we hear story. In terms of gathering insight, if you if you if you get people within any training session to start to start telling the stories of how they're going to apply what they've learned. That's how they gather the insights. And so that's one of the things in terms of the reflection part of any training thing is actually getting people to tell the stories about where they will apply it. Stories are littered with emotion. I mean, that that is part of their things. I mean, a great story, well, they say a good story shows you what is happening. A great story makes you feel what is happening. And the last thing is the spacing. So not just dumping information on people, but spacing out, which, shout out for you, is where giraffe pad comes in. (laughs) (laughs) So story covers three of them. Giraffe pad covers the other one. Marriage made in heaven. And it's been there for millennia. I mean, the, how did we learn before the printing press or before we could all read or whatever, around the campfire stories, generations, generations, hundreds and hundreds of years. Yes. Story, fables. It, it's it, As David said, it's in our DNA. Why, why are we glued? Why in lockdown have we been glued to Netflix? Mm. We, 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 you know, we, we are desperate for story and, 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 and uh, being able to understand through that, through the way in which our our old brain wants to work, so it's it's such an integral part of our human nature. Yeah, and good stories. I mean, I think it comes back to in terms of training. I mean, people who are listening to this, who are trainers, who are people that want to work on story within their training. The actual there is a story that you can tell, which is more of a narrative, really. But I mean, it's it's a, this happened and then this happened and then this happened. But to create a story which involves the challenges, it involves characters, it involves time and place, that truly turns it into a very vivid story. And that just fires every single neuron in the people's brains. And it's really hard to, once a story gets its hooks into your mind, it's really hard to budget. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, I just listening to all of that, and, and 
as you pick out elements, even just one thing that stood out for me, the bit that I think often gets missed in a lot of learning journeys, if you like, is is really in not enforcing is the wrong word, but really encouraging and enabling the reflection bit to happen rather than just allowing it to, you know, if someone is is responsible for that learning and really motivated, they might do some of that reflection, but do they do it consciously? And the minute you said about rather than saying we need you to do some reflection on this, you know, spend some time thinking about it, unpacking what you've done, learn about it, turn that into a story in advance is what that story is going to be like is um, is a far more effective way of getting people's emotions and brains connected into the reflection process, isn't it? Oh, completely, yeah. completely. I mean, I think the way you and I, Mark, uh, met in the first place was was through a LinkedIn post, wasn't it? And about one of the things that Sarah Jane and I learned, we were doing a big job for a bank in India about how long ago? About four years ago, probably something like that. Something, like something like that. that. Yeah, and and what, there was a trainer on that. She was a psychologist actually, and her model for every session was keep the theory light make the practice deep and make the reflection serious or something like that. I mean, the, you know, the adjectives can change, but but don't sort of hammer the theory home, get people practicing it and get them reflecting. And I think you're right. I mean, reflecting on how you're going to, um, to apply anything that you learn, creating that story. Interestingly, we both, we both have backgrounds in cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy as well. Mm. And, and one of the great things about hypnotherapy, one of the things they say to you is, is that if you as a hypnotherapist say to somebody, Mark, the next time you go running on the beach, you will notice how easy it is for your feet to glide across the pavement. And of course, the next time you go running on the beach, you're thinking, my feet feel like lead. David's a terrible hypnotherapist. <laughs> but if I say to you, so how do you think you might feel with this new technique next time you go, you'll start imagining and you'll start going, well, I think I'll probably feel really good. I'll feel lighter and I'll feel like I've taken 30 seconds off my 5K time. And if you create that story for yourself, then you are less likely to prove yourself wrong than somebody else. So getting people to create their own story is a great way of, of, of getting people to really embed any learning into their own heads. And so important for coaching as well, Hugely. because I mean, we all have, don't we, a running commentary in our head all the time. We're all, <laughs> we're always kind of, if we're having a conversation, we're constantly, these little voices in our head are constantly saying, am I saying this right? Or um, what's going on here? Or do they believe me? Or, you know, this, the chatter is constant. Yeah. And so um understanding that, that that's what we're doing that we are to, and how you know how you can change that story that's going on constantly is is i think it's such an interesting area and we've had a big now change around because everything is on this medium at the moment we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're just looking down the barrel of a camera all the time and it changes the story in people's heads about about how they are perceiving themselves so you know story i think it 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 kind of encapsulates so many different things and we we are never without it somewhere yeah. going on yeah well something that sort of resonated with me here as well is if i think of all the stories i love and i, and I love reading fictional books is there's always challenges in those stories there's always hardship that the hero who might be yourself has to overcome but there's genuinely generally a satisfactory outcome and ending and I quite like that idea in the reflective learning or the coaching is like we know there's going to be some hurdles on the way in terms of applying yeah. this learning there's going to be some challenges that you the hero or the heroine have to overcome but by planning that story in and, and you know using all the resources that you have to overcome those you will get to that happy ending at the end which most of us want in the stories that we um, read. Exactly. 
Do you know? Do you know the book "The Art of the Possible" by Benjamin Zander? Do you know that book? I've heard it, but not read it. Yeah, no. There's some really. I mean, Ben Zander. For those people out there who don't know him, he is or certainly was the 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 conductor of the Boston Philharmonic, and he took learning into he 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 took the lessons from orchestras into the business place that people could learn from that how orchestras work and one of the exercises that he does is called give yourself an a and what it was he started doing it for people when he was teaching them the violin and they thought i'm never going to get to grade eight or whatever it is and they had their exam at the end of the year and he said give yourself an a imagine yourself the day after that exam write yourself a letter from that point this is what i did this is what i overcame and I just think that's a, you, you know, actually just to write that story down, as you say, Mark, along with the hurdles, what were the things that you had to overcome is is, is, is it's a fantastic way of, of, of getting it into your head. Yeah, start changing the story. Start changing the story, exactly. Absolutely. And and I want to go back to a point that you made, Sarah Jane, as well as how they're in our DNA stories, aren't they? And I think back and there's certain stories I read as a child that I can almost still picture or, or hear each page roving through in the story it goes and I've probably changed it in my mind as it's evolved with age um, but they resonate don't they and they stick with you and, and an incredible story whether that's a book or a film or, or wherever or an experience with someone else absolutely stays with you both visually and sort of auditory in your mind doesn't it it, it, does. it really does it funny enough there was a link I was reading on some social media what, what story from your childhood still resonates with you and I can think of the one for me and a number of people had said it and it was Jaws which I read by the beach in Australia aged 11 and I still think twice when I get in the ocean <laughs> <laughs> what the turtles eat I think that's so interesting as well when you've read a book and then you see the film and you think, hang on a minute, that's not what the character's like. Because we we may, you know, we have our own version, don't we, of when we read something or when we hear something about who these characters are and we picture them. We can't help it. Mm. We picture everything, um, which is probably something we should... <laughs> that's another thing about story, about, about when you create... Because creating pictures is so important mm. for people. It, it lands it, it in concretely in the brain. And and um, and I I think of so many films that I've seen I'm, I, of a story, and I think, no, I'm sorry, Jane Eyre doesn't look like that, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, you know. And and it's I I think it's it's quite interesting how it affects then your your uh, enjoyment or whatever of the film. Hundred percent. I've got a very good example of this, and it might be controversial for some, but for me, it's such a mismatch as to be—I I simply cannot compute how they even got there. I'm a big uh, fan of the Lee Child Jack Reacher stories, and they're—they're they're fantastically well written, really clever stories, and the character by anyone's terms, is a six-foot-five beast <laughs> of a man that, <laughs> that is blonde. And yes. then they go and put Tom Cruise in there as a role in the films. And I'm sorry that that just doesn't... That isn't the story. I actually... I personally not watched it because it's not the same story to me. It's so far apart. Yeah. Um, but at the same level, my daughter has... Um, is, has really got into reading again at the age of 14 recently. And she's previously watched the Maze Runner films. I don't know if you know those. The sort of mm -hmm. dystopian films. They're, they're sort of aimed at 
late teens, I guess, where in a dystopian world that this game has been created where these children are, are forced to try and escape through a maze and if they don't make it, horrible things happen to them. And she's just got the books and reading them. And that was the first question I asked him, exactly what you said there, is it, is it, is it coming across in the same way? She said, no, entirely differently. I'm now pitching it differently. I said, I would find that difficult because I like to read the book first, form yeah. that picture in my mind, and if I then think the film is going to match it, fine, I'll watch it. Um, but it's yeah. entirely different, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's another very interesting thing about the brain is that when we have a very strong picture in our head about what something is and we are confronted with something very different, that sends the brain into a bit of a kind of spin. Yeah, really. dissonance really, isn't and, it? And, and so because we're telling ourselves a different story from what we're actually seeing. So I, it, I think that, and, and particularly I think in, in coaching situations, this is so important to try and unpack that. Uh, and and to give people again this it comes with the reflection the reflection time to think well so you're experiencing this but what if you you know what's going on for you and it's all about the story that you're telling yourself yeah. the story that's implanted so strongly in your head so it, it's a very I mean we are basically surrounded by story both inside and out and which I think it's why it's such a and and it's interesting funny enough that it's come I think it's starting to explode and it's coming much to the fore really because of the of this um medium as well it's a way of getting clarity isn't it mm. I mean I think I think one of the, I mean we've always used story in our training I mean we te- I said earlier we teach story but but often we talk about how story has worked very well within, you know, within within the training sessions themselves, and so the, the use of the story by the trainer is an incredibly important feature as well. And and I, I think that that's something I've become more conscious of when people's attention has to be earned so much more on the camera. Right. So it's ca- it captivates them more. There's more reason for them to be focused rather than distracted with everything else that might be going on. It's back to the A of the ages. I mean, that is the tension. It's 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 attention that grabs the attention. We think we're, we're wired to think I'm about to learn something here. Yes. Well, we're, I mean, when you think about it, we're wi- uh, since we were little, um, we've been watching the screen for entertainment, haven't we? Yeah. We've been, you know, cinema, telly, whatever. Now computers and and we've been passive. <laughs> <Yeah>. Entertain me. <laughs> I mean, one of the ways my brain works when I listen to to the likes of you know people like yourself have got such interesting ways of, of looking at learning rather than just looking at a very basic process. And, and my brain immediately works saying, "How can I utilize this in a learning session?" And what I'm hearing, <laughs> I, I get completely from a coaching point of view. I'm thinking in a, like the workshop scenario, be that on a on a, a, a video call like we we're on or in person, mm. is at that reflection stage, encouraging everyone to formulate, formulate or build their stories and then actually to share them with each other. Because yep. actually, like you said, so we, we love story. It's all in our DNA. We'll listen to story forever. And actually, if you had 10 people who've gone through exactly the same workshop, but who then share their stories of how that's going to pan out in their life, which is probably going to be 10 very, very different versions. What great perspective to pick up the thing. I've just gone through the same workshop, for example, with with David and Sarah Jane on X subject, whatever that might be. I'm going to go and apply it back to my team. But the way I brought it to life is entirely different to how someone next to me has brought it to life. Mm -hmm. And actually you get nine other stories to learn from as well. 
You absolutely do. I think that I think that it's also the joy of breakout rooms on all these different yeah. things. Is you you send them off for ten minutes to create a story amongst three of them, and you get to make a cup of tea, which uh, <laughs> you could never do in the room. <laughs> you get to make a cup of tea, and then you listen to an interesting story afterwards. You do absolutely. And I don't know about you. I, I'm we're big fans of that head, heart, and hands feedback model of sort of what what what's something that's made you think differently. What's how's it made you feel differently? Or what are you going to do differently? And Actually, that often, you know, you know, the, the the intellect plus the feeling of the heart plus the physical, what are you just going to do, often triggers stories as well. The, the way I, I, I've just been reminded, actually, a week ago, I had my second jab. Um, and uh, I was, after I had the jab, I was sent to a kind of little waiting room where I had to sit for 15 minutes in case I passed out or whatever. <laughs> and... Um, and there Spoiler, were Spoiler, you didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. No. Um, and and there were, I'd say, about six people waiting, socially distanced. And we started just having a conversation about um people's experience of how it's been for them, how the virus has affected their families. And and um they were mostly I have to say, they were mostly women in the in in the waiting room. But the 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 stories of um people, you know, who's both their parents have died and they weren't they weren't able to see them when they died or um another woman who uh, was a was a carer for her mother and she was only allowed in at certain times and all these kinds of very personal stories came out and i i really obviously because i have a story in my head all the time about looking for them all the time and i realized that that's what it was a bonding situation we'd all been in this experience of having our jab we were waiting and the first thing we did was we shared stories we didn't share facts um we shared stories mm. about how how our lives have been over the past year and it's it struck me very it was a it was a and consequently it was a really precious moment 15 minutes well in fact it was longer than 15 minutes David was picking me up from the surgery and I was about 10 minutes late wasn't furious it? utterly furious i've been sitting captivated by stories but it was it, <laughs> it was it was exactly the equivalent of sitting sitting around the campfire sharing and at that point you bond yeah with people and nothing you know no other way of conversing or talking or or connecting is 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 as good as that works so quickly that's really interesting you said that, Sajin, because as you were telling that story, the bit that was flashing out in my mind was so often when you communicate with strangers or, or people you haven't seen for a while, the communication is at such a sort of almost pointless level. It's like, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah. Did you have a good weekend? Yes, it was great, thank you. There's no depth to it. There's no connection, as you said. The minute you get into story and, and genuine experiences and probably more often than not emotional experiences, um, there's a proper deep connection. And it, the reason I'm highlighting that is thinking is any trainers and facilitators and coaches listening, one of our ultimate roles when we're working with a group of people and individuals to have a deep enough connection that means we have a, a, a relationship with them that can encourage learning. And yeah. obviously story is at the heart of that deep connection. And that's an that's a great point, Mark. Because what happens is is if you if you you can you can trigger us. We talked about the story spotting and how you get the stories out of people. 
And there are ways, I mean, there are words that you can trigger. I mean, if you sort of say, so when do you think you'll be able to use this? Or where do you think you'll be able to apply this? I mean, if you anchor people in a time or a place, they will that, that will automatically lead them to a story. And then the what and the how questions, the, so what do you think you'll be feeling or how will you apply this, opens the imagination up hugely. So so using those when, where, what and how questions are, are um, I, I mean, I know we all know about the open questions, but they but they truly do trigger story well there's there's open questions and then there's questions like that that are specifically they, they have a purpose don't they? they're not just what's that going to be like it, it, it leads them somewhere. one i particularly like is is getting them to visualize it like, what will that look like what would be the expression on that person's face when you yeah. have that type of conversation what will their body look like how will they be emotionally responding to you so they actually have to visualize the whole picture yeah. in their mind. that's lovely um, because also that's nice triggers that they then look for when they're doing this because if it's obviously not computing a bit like we said with the the movie that's different to the story in the book (laughs) oh I thought they were going to be really positive about this bit of feedback I was giving them or I thought they were going to be open arms and welcome but actually they've shied away and they're looking down and they're looking emotional something's not working here yeah Um, so I think that visualization part of the story where they can build the whole picture is really useful isn't it I think that's right. That's, that's that's a very good point. As you were talking before, and Sarah Jane was talking about the, the jabs, and you were saying about getting people to come back into the room and tell the story of of of, of, of the things that they will overcome. I was reminded. I think it's Brene Brown who talks about this. Is about that your 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 story of how you have overcome things becomes another person's map to the future. And I I, I think that sharing of stories in a, in a training session where people may have different issues that they're facing and 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 that being able to listen into somebody saying oh i get it I'll, I'll steal that from you because i can see how it would apply to me in my future i think that's a we're constantly pro- providing maps for the future to each other and i think a big part of that is a sense of vulnerability isn't it if your story isn't about you being some rocket hero that's uh, that everything bounces off people are going to look at you in a very different light thinking well i can't live up to those standards aren't they whereas if your story is quite vulnerable and talks yeah. about mistakes and errors and failures and and overcoming challenges people warm and connect to you much more don't they if someone's story is my life is simply perfect in every way. That doesn't necessarily do the connection. And, and you wouldn't want to read a book about that either, would you? No, you wouldn't. It's a story. It's just not a very good one. Yeah. <laughs> Something's springing to mind here because um, I'm thinking there'll be there'll be people listening to this who who naturally bring story to elements they do and probably or, or unwittingly or unconsciously utilise the power of story in some of the learning sessions they run. But for people that maybe haven't utilised it before and haven't necessarily consciously planned it into the sessions they run, where would be some good starting points? What would you, if, if, if I was a brand new trainer moving into a new learning and development role, um, what, would you, what would you recommend or suggest I did to start bringing story into the way that I helped learning stick? I'm putting you on the spot here. I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, well, I've got, I have an answer to that. Yes. You, well, well, no, well the, 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 the thing that I think, because I think sometimes the word story can, can be a bit... Um, bit scary because because people associate it with being a great storyteller or or you know none of my stories will be interesting but so sometimes I just phrase it as as an example (laughs) what is an example that you can give that can illuminate what you're talking about where have you seen it before and and that and that is something that I think you can as a um, if somebody as a, a trainer can really think about okay w- w- what is this like where have I seen something like this before yeah. and it can be so simple 
But it doesn't have to be a grand story with all the bells and whistles. It's just a, little, a kind of pen portrait or whatever, you know, a picture of something that can land in the audience's brain yeah. in that way that lights it up. So I think that, um, you know, stories are there. There's so many different different ways that you can describe them. Example, anecdote, you know, <laughs> lots of different ways. But it's all a way of explaining, highlighting, drawing the picture for people. Mm. So I don't know if that helps. I think I'm thinking about it as an example. Yeah, I'd build, I mean, I, I, I completely agree. The, the practical way I'd build on that in terms of what people could do is, um, you know, we're very lucky as traders and as, as coaches and consultants is that we get to visit many different places and many different people. And we see it in action. We see what we're training or we see what people are going through in action. And so to Sarah Jane's point, you've seen it there and you've seen you, you do have the stories. There's a wonderful guy called Matthew Dix called who wrote a book called Storyworthy, which is I would recommend people get. Um, he he has a, a process. You can he does a TED talk about it called um, Homework for Life. Homework for Life is basically about at the end of every day, just jot down something that you think. Why has this made this day different than any other day? I think you could use that as a trainer and go through your back catalogue of experiences that you had and said, where what what situations have I been in? Just jot down a note. The one about when X did X and Y happened, and it's and. Because a great story is about the moment when things changed. And for trainers, that's what we're doing. We're trying to change people's behaviours, essentially. So tell the stories. Think back to where you've seen it in action. Jot down in a notebook on your Evernote, if you on your phone, wherever. Just get a, a, a document whereby you collect the stories and so you have them to hand. That's fantastic. I mean, it, you, I, I, listening to that, I was almost picturing a, a bunch of trainers and facilitators in a room together telling their war stories, like, oh, what yes. about the time I turned up here and this happened, or this delegate was amazing because of X. <laughs> We're back to Jaws now, comparing scars on the back of the boat. Absolutely. But also, on a more serious note, um, listening to your examples there reminded me myself of going through an exercise with somebody else who was running a session, and they did something really, really simple, which was they put a picture up, and we, we were on Zoom on a, on a video call and they put a picture up and it was a, a hand-drawn figure of a man that was sort of bent over double and it was just in in black and white if you like there was no color to it not much background and then they gave everyone five minutes to write their story about what was happening for this this person right. and I think actually you could even make that more practical but I don't know if you're going through a let's say you're developing some new managers in their first step into the management career, you could take a, a, a classic picture of a manager in operation and say, right, here's a picture, tell your story of what impact that manager having on that team. Um, great. It's a starting point just to get people, because of course everyone will probably generate very, very different stories and then they'll have to unpack them and explain what, and you talk about the behaviours and the body language. I mean, it's limitless, isn't it? Yeah. You remind me of, the, the, uh, for, for those in the UK of a certain age, will remember a Guardian ad from years ago about every picture tells a story, which was of this young lad running around the corner towards an old lady. I mean, a really st strong-looking boy, right? And you think, he's going to mug her. And then suddenly you, cu you cut to the fact that, you know, a piano is about to fall on her or something like that. He's actually trying to rescue her. And so it's that idea about, well, yeah, I love that. I mean, every picture does tell a story. And 
that's a lovely exercise. But it, but it also, it, it brings out your prejudices, doesn't you? Because I think there's been one done like that as well, where the second picture is of him helping across the road, because it's quite a yeah. busy road. And again, you imagine, because he's got a hoodie on, he's about to go and mug her, and of course, all your prejudices come out. And that, of course, also helps work out your biases of what, how you might approach whatever role it is that you might be developing at that time. Yeah. So. We've developed a diversity <laughs> inclusion course. <laughs> exactly. Now, honestly, I think I could talk to you too about story until the cows come home, which is another story. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, but I, I guess we have actually unpacked what's beautiful is like listening to all these amazing ways uh, that you incorporate story in your work. Is, is also translates to very easily transferable exercises that just about anyone could use in any learning intervention that would be super powerful, whether that's at the reflection stage or at the early stage to draw out your, your viewpoints, whatever that might be. Effectively, I, I'm almost left thinking, is it possible to run an effective, sticky learning session without some element of story in it at all? I think you you could have a go. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't recommend it. There's a challenge. Because what's happening is that, you know, whoever your audience is, whoever the people in that learning session are, they are making up stories anyway. That's the point. So, you know, they're, they're, that as they're taking in the information, they are processing it into some kind of story related to their own experience, um, uh, what they're thinking at the time, how they feel, all sorts of things. So, you know, it's it's just the way the brain works. Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 and the problem is, I think that if, if it is very dry, if what you're, what you're trying to talk about is very dry, then it's much more difficult for the brain to synthesize it and understand it. And so either what we do in our minds is we make up our own version, which is probably not, not actually the right um or we cut off and we can't actually take it in it's 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 hugely difficult to assimilate a lot of data mm. that doesn't have any relevance or or picture it's attached flow or connection no or connect exactly so the most important thing is how do you relate it how do you make it relatable so that human beings can can um hear it and understand it and connect with it in their own brains I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's a different, different thing if you're reading something. I, I, I think I sometimes think of lawyers, you know, the kind of the, the, the vast, <laughs> you know, lot of, of, of information that they have to, which is, you know, quite complicated. Um, and sitting down and reading all that stuff, you can read a couple of sentences, get up, make yourself a cup of tea, come back, read the sentences again. And gradually, you know, you, 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 you can get the information in. But just listening to a whole pile of data is really tough for human beings. I think this is such a powerful point to end on because essentially we're saying if you're working with a group of people, they will be processing whatever subject matter and context you're working on as a story in their mind. Mm. So if we don't make that, if we don't help them make that story rich and powerful and emotional, it's likely to be construed in the wrong way and either useless for them or, or not, um, not resourceful enough. And so actually, as a, as a facilitator, working with a group of people on learning, if you genuinely want that learning to stick, at the forefront of our mind needs to be that this will be processed as a story in their minds. So exactly. we work with them to make that a really interesting, useful, powerful story. 
Mm. It comes back to that light theory, serious practice, deep reflection point. Mm. Fantastic. Listen, it's been such a pleasure talking to you two, as always. Um, Just for the benefit of our uh, listeners, if they want to find out more about you and everything you do, how can they connect with you? What's uh, your website and LinkedIn? The website is www.thestoryspotters.com. We're both on LinkedIn, Sarah Jane McEachney, David Pullen. We'd love to meet you on there. There's also a Story Spotters uh, uh, page on LinkedIn if you'd like to follow that. And there's an occasional tweet that goes out, but the actual handle is at McEachney Pullen. So good luck spelling that. We haven't (laughs) rebranded that bit. (laughs) Brilliant. We'll share those on the show notes too. Um, Thank you so much again, you two. And thank you everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, so please do subscribe and give us a good rating on your podcast app of choice. If you'd like to connect with me, uh, my website is www.giraffepad.com. And like David and Sarah Jane, I'm on LinkedIn too. And feel free to direct message me with any suggestions of what aspects of making learning sticky you'd like to hear about. Bye for now. (laughs) 